This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm super excited today to have Dr. Alan Kaufman back for an episode. He was with me on an episode in November of 2021, which he so cleverly entitled Parenting Your Family, Not Your Fantasy. Love that title. Um, Dr. Alan Kaufman is a pediatrician. He's been practicing for over about 25 years, and he has three kids that are all teens and young adults. So he's thick in the adolescent parenting phase, even though a couple of his kids are out of the house in school or working. Um, been married for a long time, has a very wonderful wife named Joanne. And um, so I'm super happy to have him back. And he is a well-loved and respected pediatrician here in Chattanooga and happens to be mine and many of my friends and colleagues, pediatricians <laughs> as well. So thank you for being here, Alan. Uh, thanks for the invitation, Beth. It's always good to visit with you. I know. I love it. Our whole family always loves to get to see you. Um, and Remo just walked out in case you heard a door. Um, so yeah, Alan is going to give us some of his, you know, information that he's researched and tips. Social media, phones, technology are really the bane of a lot of parents' existence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that I have frequently commented to a variety of people that I feel like technology has decreased my enjoyment of parenting about 30%. Mm. And I know there's, there are blessings and curses with it. So mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about some of the positive aspects of technology, but policing yeah. technology yeah. and for someone with ADHD, it's really, really hard um, to be consistent. So I would probably, if I was grading myself, give myself about a C in how we have handled technology. So yeah, that's, that's passing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I was with uh, um, uh, Dr. Arnold uh, yesterday from Clinical Medicos, and, and we were talking about there was an article that JAMA put out in the early 2000s that was called uh, Good Enough Parenting. Oh, yes. And, and I think, you know, that's one of those things where, I mean, the challenge with, media and technology, you know, there's, it overlaps so many areas. I think the, you know, for us as parents, there's the workaholic ism and, and the overscheduling and the lack of boundaries in our own lives and, yeah. um, and our emotional issues that we haven't dealt with. 
Um, and then with our kids, just the raw, blatant consumerism. It is, mm-hmm. it is such a, a fine-tuned consumer product that they are so susceptible to, and uh, and so, and that's on purpose. Yeah, you know, it is. It is the nicotine and smoking of of our age um, because it is totally geared to suck us in and to suck yeah. them in, and and then it's new. Like we don't we don't have any experience with it. It was. My oldest was born in 2000 and she was really on the cutting edge of, you know, fourth grade was when cell phones were cheap enough that kids were starting to get them and they Mm -hmm. were ubiquitous enough. And then all the social media stuff took off when she was in sixth, seventh grade. Mm. And, uh, and so it was just, it still is, but it was just such the wild west in, I remember in seventh and eighth grade, it just seemed like every week there was a new hot app that all the kids were using. And, yeah. and, you know, and I was interested cause it was part of my work, but it was, it was a lot of time mm-hmm. just to keep up with all that. Um, and then to be able to, uh, have to be drug into eighth grade, we had a pretty bad, um, abuse situation through social media and, and having to, you know, deal with that. That your daughter that. went through yes. like some bullying. Yeah, abuse, it was so. pretty, um, uh, she, she was not, um, there was no contact, but there was some sexual abuse through, Ooh. uh, through an app, uh, and from another student and, you know, and reaching out to that family and that family being a good family that was, you know, very concerned, but also completely inept and incompetent and in how to deal with this issue right. and us trying to figure that out together in those conversations. Um, and then I think looking at just where we are as a, as a, culture in regards to the challenges we're having with just healthy emotional development and body image and um, obesity and and over exercise and fad diets and mm-hmm. and so I think social media and teenagers and young adults is is playing into into all of that and mm. then uh, you know just culturally also being able to amplify kind of fringe ideas where you know before you know when we were kids you could have a crazy idea. And everyone around you would be like, well, that's a crazy idea. Now you can get online and you can find a thousand people that have the same crazy idea and give you kind of this bias of like, well, this isn't a crazy idea because all these other people yeah. have the same idea. It normalizes something that's really not normal. Right. right. And and um, and so I think, you know, that is a huge challenge. And, and I think the, you know, being able to, I, I do see a big shift. I think one of the silver linings in COVID is it, it knocked a lot of the stupid expectations of parents off the table hmm. in regards to their own hyper-functioning in their, their um, professions and in their personal life. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, realizing that so much of our lives can be taken away in an instant, that, that, uh, I think it helped a lot of people um, through a lot of pain and trauma kind of see what's important. And, and I've seen a real focus on simplicity, both in just, how parents are directing their own lives and their professional lives, but also just in their parenting and how they're structuring home life, um, in the approach to new children. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so I think all that's extremely, uh, hopeful. Um, and, and I think the other thing that during COVID and kind of the post COVID, there was so much of, um, you know, people who are more, um, introverted, Mm -hmm. you know, were able to find these very entertaining places through, you know, all the online, 
interactions and online entertainment, mm-hmm. um, you know, through pornography mm-hmm. that, you know, they could really get a lot of their needs met without the stress and work of interacting with other people mm-hmm. and got to kind of walk that out and see that, okay, how this, empty it yeah, is. Yeah. This or... is not a good thing. Um, you know, same thing with, I think eating and alcohol is, you know, use and, and, and so there's kind of this, I think it, it was a nice pushback on, you know, the potential in a lot of this. I think we got to, there was a group of people that got to walk out the dangers of the technology in a way that is, is helping kind of develop a, ha- a healthier framework and how mm. we move forward. Yeah, so, so I think all that's really hopeful. Um, yeah. As we look at it. Some really good wake up calls or reckonings mm-hmm. with like, what are, what's a healthy lifestyle? What's not. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and then like we were, we were talking a little bit before just, you know, kind of how hard it is. I think the other thing to keep in mind is just, you know, it is a lot of work. And I think so many uh, adults, families, couples, parents, grandparents, they just don't have the bandwidth to deal with that work. Oh, and and I yes. think being realistic about that, and we can talk a lot more about what that means, but, um, and just, and realizing that, um, you know, it it is a seductive thing that can really fill in gaps where, there's lack of competency or there's lack of time or there's lack yeah. of attention. Um, and, and I think especially as, um, if children, if there's a need for children to kind of entertain and take care of themselves, these technologies can really be destructive. Uh, if, if, if children are, have large, where they, where they, where they have lots of resources, but they also are not, those resources are not, watched and people are careful with them. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Well, and that's a really good point about us kind of being on the cusp and and you even more so than me with kids a little bit older of, you know, I like to remind us people that we are guinea pigs. Our kids are guinea pigs. I mean, Mm. you know, we're trial and erroring our way through parenting Mm -hmm. a lot of times. And then when technology is kind of new and you had, you know, a child in that first generation, you're learning all this stuff about how they're, you know, strategically marketing and finding the temptations or the weak points or the interests for mm-hmm. kids. And it's just the perfect marketing, but also right. the downside. Well, I, mean, I totally think, you know, 20, 30 years from now, the every middle schooler having an iPhone is going to be the doctor on the billboard saying cigarettes are healthy, make me yes. feel good. You know, it's, we will look back at this and just cringe at, what we, what we did and because we'll know better. We didn't, we didn't know. And it's normalized. I mean, one way that we did try to be good with technology is we were trying to make our kids wait till they're 13. And I recently was working with a family who was having conflict because they told their son 16 and he was so angry because Mm. none of the other people he knows are waiting till they're 16. So we did delay getting phones, but then I would let the kids use my phone and they would get social media on my phone. So, but the management of all that and the policing of it is just to me completely exhausting. So I know you've brought some really fascinating statistics on timeframes and everything with technology. Do you want to share some of that? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, technology, the statistics are always so, so exciting to talk about, but I, (laughs) I think, you know, when you look at kind of technology and kids and parenting technology with kids, it's pretty amazing when you look at just how prevalent it is. And we, we all kind of know that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have it set up on my phone that I get daily and weekly 
screen outputs time in my screen or, yeah. time. Yeah. And you're like, how did that's that sad? Yeah. Um, and uh, but so, you know, current studies, if you look at eight to 10 year olds, um, the, the average is eight hours a day of media. Oh my so, goodness. you know, so so you have a lot of children that are spending more time on media than they are sleeping. Right. Um, and so, you know, just to see kind of how deep this goes into just our patterns in our lives. And um, you have kind of the average with children with teenagers is over 11 hours a day. And uh. and so, you know, and this is cuts across a lot of different things because, you know, in schools, screens are prevalent and, and how they're used. And so that also happens in the school setting. And, you know, I think we you know, we need to work on how, how does that play out and what are we teaching our kids and those experiences? I think, you know, technology in sacred spaces like the bedroom mm -hmm. is super important. And, and so, um, you know, three quarters of kids have televisions in their bedrooms, mm -hmm. which is never a good idea. Um, yeah. you know, that is something that, um, I, I really kind of, push hard on. And I think, um, you know, that that's something that, um, it, it cuts across every age group, even into adulthood, just all the bad habits that come out of having, you know, screens and the, you know, in these days we have, you know, huge screens, you know, what that, are some of the biggest reasons that that's not a good idea? Well, I think, you know, as you go through the gambit of, um, you know, again, technology is used electronics and toys to get intense reactions from kids. And a lot of times as parents, we interpret that as the child's having fun mm -hmm. and they're just incredibly stimulated. Mm. And, and so one, that's not good long-term at any level. Yeah, you know, overly excited. Yeah, so whether it's, um, you know, Tickle Me Elmo or, you know, yeah. other, other types of electronic toys. So I really try to stay away. And young children, I, I'm not a fan of electronic toys and under two, you know, I, I really try to just keep it super simple mm. with toys. Um, mm -hmm. And then with the bedroom, I mm -hmm. really try to keep technology and electronic toys out of the bedroom in little kids. So, you know, what that tends to look like is around nine to 12 months, you'll have most kids will start to drop their morning nap. Mm -hmm. um, and I really encourage parents and, and it never happens with the first kid, but, mm -hmm. but usually by the second or third kid, the parents are so busy that starts to get some traction of having kind of that eat, play, rest cycle. Mm -hmm. And so we have a room where there's not any electronics. We have, you know, simple toys like dolls and books and dinosaurs mm. and trucks. And, um, and so in the morning we eat, we have some parent directed play or adult connected play. The idea that kids learn from technology is not good. That's a very poor way for children to learn. Like my biggest influencer was robotic. Uh-huh. Yeah. And 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 so wow. um, you know, when you look at um, you know, baby Einstein, mm -hmm. just not a good idea. And mm. and so the I think what I really try to do is um have that prioritize time where you're with your kids start that early mm -hmm. so a lot of parents get drug into this thing of i want my kid to be happy and so the kid's going to ask for when i'm awake i want a parent or an adult to interact with me and at an early age 9 12 15 months starting to build those boundaries that you don't have to always have an adult to be entertained that you mm -hmm. need to be bored i need to let you get disappointed that mm -hmm. 
life isn't always great fun. And so you learn how to entertain yourself yeah. and you learn to play and rest. And, and that's a, that's kind of where I think the beginning starts around technology is, you know, at a, at that toddler stage, you know, looking at how much time do I want to engage with my kid? What do mm -hmm. I think is appropriate? Um, you know, for me, I kind of broke, our kids were five, uh, almost three in about six months when, when I broke and, and, you know, got, you know, kind of felt like I was doing C minus D plus kind mm -hmm. of parenting mm -hmm. and really stepping back and saying, okay, what I'm trying to do is be available whenever my kids ask for me. Mm -hmm. And that's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't do that. Um, now that I have three kids. Mm -hmm. And so what do I want to do and say, you know, I can be really engaged and connect for about 30 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And so being purposeful about, you know, focusing on that time, making that time regular. So the kids know when it's going to happen, they're expecting it. It fits an appropriate time in their day. Mm -hmm. And then setting those times where I'm not available and you need to play on your own. Or if you're tired, you need to rest and not have distraction from electronic toys so that you can actually shut down and rest. Um, I, th I think, you know, across all age groups, I see that the, the important things in life, like resting, uh, mm -hmm. eating, talking, and sleeping, and pooping, you know, mm -hmm. get interrupted by technology. And, right. and so our homes are so interesting and so stimulating that kids do not have quiet spaces where they can learn to do those fundamental key things that you have to do to be healthy. And so, so many problems that I see, you know, every four-year-old comes into my office constipated mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they're so stimulated. They don't want to stop playing to go sit on the bathroom and parents come in because their kids aren't eating. I can't get them to eat anything. They're so picky. And it's because we don't stop and sit at the table and sit with our food and let ourselves get hungry and be quiet enough to pay attention to our body that we know that we're hungry to eat. And that takes a lot of, we're time. out of touch with ourselves That's exactly and others. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, wow. um, and so, you know, and you spend a lot of time helping people reconnect with their bodies, mm -hmm. but I think that is so key from the very beginning that we don't let technology, that we don't want electronics kind of destroy that relationship that we have with ourselves, with our bodies mm. as we move forward. And then all of the other things that you're talking about, you know, so when you get to that 13 year old that wants to, you know, jump into the media, social media world, they, they come to that already knowing how to pay attention to their, their body. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a huge challenge for parents right now. And I think, you know, seeing that from the get go mm -hmm. and also knowing, you know, being healthy with yourself that, mm -hmm. you know, you are paying attention to your body, that you're paying attention to when I need to go to sleep, you're not sitting in bed on your back in the dark, you know, doom scrolling through whatever your favorite social media is mm -hmm. for an hour at nighttime. Um, th that's super important as you kind of build out a healthy, a healthy family. Yeah. And so I think that kind of limiting technology in that early toddler stage, um, as we move into kind of the, the, the late toddler kind of preschool, um, stuff, I, I really try to make sure that we're kind of setting boundaries around technology, you know, as you're building discipline and, uh, kind of doing a token economy around, you know, integrating chores and behavior mm -hmm. and those kinds of things, you know, often technology can be helpful because kids really want it. We found, you know, a little bit of iPad. I, I enjoyed 
being able to do videos on the iPad because it was it seemed more controlled than kind of the unlimited TV access with you know random commercials and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so um, and then you know the iPad was nice because you could really set the time. You could kind of pick the media. We could build out playlists of stuff that we had watched and felt like was appropriate. You um, all did that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the that's but, impressive. Well, and it was a result of some horrible experiences. You know, you mm -hmm. just you're like, what are they watching? You know, and and um, and so I think, you know, and, and don't be afraid to limit that. Like, it's OK to watch the same video five times, you know, mm -hmm. um, and and so um, and, and I would say everything that we did in that regard was out of making really bad mistakes and saying, right. well, we can't do that again. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think, uh, and we did, I think the other thing I like is that it allowed me to have a lot of bullets with my, um, you know, when I was doing kind of negative and positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. So if we set a boundary and that boundary got crossed, I could take away two minutes of iPad time, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we would set, you know, 20 minutes of iPad time. And, and that was kind of like, you know, once you got home, we got everything done and, you know, mom needed a break or dad needed a break mm -hmm. and, and we were going to kind of have some time then, then, um, <clears throat> you know, we could, we could kind of manage that. And, and I like doing two minutes cause I could do that all day long. Yeah. And then I was always looking for positive ways to give back the time. Mm -hmm. So they pretty much had 20 minutes of iPad time every day because I was finding things to, it's a good motivator. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I've used that a lot. Just, yeah. Hey, if you do your homework, you do some chores, you do your summer reading, we'll give you some time on, we'll give you your phones after that, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, cause they really are drawn to it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, leveraging, leveraging that Great motivator. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. And then I think just being able to sit and talk about those things, I think, you know, I'm a Sesame street kid. I, mm -hmm. I grew up on public TV with Mr. Rogers yeah. and, and Sesame street. Me and, too. Um, and so, you know, realizing that kind of um, you're starting to pay attention to other people, you know, five ish, that, you know, early empathy is going to start building at five to seven. Hmm. So that's a window where, you know, media can be a place where you're experiencing other cultures. You're kind of experiencing people that might not be like you. Mm -hmm. um, you can see different kinds of family structure. And it's a good place to kind of talk about that. There's there's a lot of studies that have looked at shows like um, so taking kids in that early ed elementary age group and. You, so Lassie is always a good example mm -hmm. of, you know, a show that taught empathy and caring about other people. Mm -hmm. um, you had this, you know, brilliant dog that would, you know, go out and help, help people. And, <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, Big Bird was kind of the character that was a personification of empathy. And mm. that was done purposefully to try to teach kids, you know, about empathy and about caring about other people and about verbalizing that care for other people. That's so cool. I had no idea. Yeah. And, uh, um, and so, um, <laughs> you know, being able to kind of use those frameworks to, to talk about those kind of things with your kids and asking them what they think about that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, leveraging those mistakes. So when kids see things that you weren't ready for them to see, you know, talking about how does that make you feel? And, and, have you ever seen anything that made you feel uncomfortable or sad or was there, have you ever seen somebody get hurt in a way that, that made you feel sorry for them or, or made you feel bad? And, and, mm. and that's a good way just to kind of teach empathy. So mm -hmm. leveraging those experiences where, you know, they went somewhere that you weren't ready for them to go. And, and I always kind of in the kindergarten talk, I always talk with parents about, 
you know, is your child ready to see pornography? Because, you know, the average age yeah. of exposure to pornography on media is five years old. Yeah. And so, you know, and the great thing about five-year-olds is they will come tell you the minute that they see something like yeah. that. And, and so, um, you know, kind of looking at where are my kids vulnerable, typically with when I, when my kids are have exposure to media, it's usually through our technology, mm-hmm. parents' technology or older sibling or older siblings, friends technology. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of my kids, it was after church in the, uh, uh, gym, you know, playing around with everybody. And it was an older kid, uh, one of their friends, older siblings phone that they were looking at stuff that was not, not healthy. Oh and, my goodness. um, you know, so just kind of knowing where those things are and, and, uh, kind of paying attention to things. And then, you know, I think where it really cranks up is in that elementary teenager years. And, and you see there's kind of that social awareness that happens in fourth grade for most girls and then kind of sixth to seventh grade with boys where, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I saw kids looking around and, you know, seeing that other kids have phones or other kids have access to computers or other kids have technology in their bedroom. And why don't, why don't I, mm-hmm. and, and I think, you know, that sense of, um, there's kind of that moment where it all clicks and kids want to be just like everybody else. And as a parent, I think, you know, that is, it's hard because that really plays into what is your competency as a parent. And mm-hmm. so you may not have the bandwidth to sit down and have the multiple episode month, you know, months of conversations about those things mm-hmm. uh, that may come naturally to you, you know? And so it's a point where you really connect with your child because it's a place where you can meet them and be patient. And, and I think being aware of who your child is, you mm-hmm. know, so I really like the idea of thinking about competencies. Um, and, and so, you know, I had one child that, you know, frankly, she was so ADD, it was all kind of boring to her. And so, you know, we didn't have to set a lot of boundaries with her. My technology was boring. Yeah. You know, it just didn't, wasn't her thing, you Uh know? And I had another child that it was everything, you know? Uh And so we had to keep really strict boundaries with her and it was different and they noticed and it frustrated them. And so we got to talk about who they are and why we're setting you customize different boundaries. your approach right. based on their yeah. leanings and the, or. And then I think being aware of your family, because mm-hmm. often when that first child moves into territory and, you know, there's there's someone right behind them often who is watching like a hawk. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as you open up the conversation with the older child, we're now also having the conversation with the younger child. Totally. And and, and I think being able to say like, okay, you're probably ready for this, but I'm not. And so we're going to wait because I don't want to deal with this with your second child, you know, with the second child. And, and I think being fair to yourself and who you are and what you can do, and then don't Mm. be afraid to back up, you know, so you get into a place where you're like, this isn't working for us. And I'll be very open with the kids. Like, Hey, it's not working for me. And we're going to, we're going to back up a little bit and, and start over. You know, we've, you and I have had a lot of conversations just as our kids have moved through this and, mm-hmm. and kind of the idea of, um, you know, being purposeful about the pragmatics of whatever piece of technology we're bringing in. And, mm-hmm. you know, phones is often the the conversation. And so we just, we started pretty simple with a, you know, a little flip phone that was cheap and I didn't care if they lost it. And we called that the house phone and, and kind of used it for, um, you know, both my two oldest were on sports teams and were traveling a lot. And there were times where 
we weren't traveling with them and they were with other families. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted them to be able to contact us. And so we kind of use that pragmatically or we were going to be in two different places and I need to know when they were done so I could come pick them up. Mm -hmm. And so we were very clear about, you know, what this is used for and what the boundaries are. And, you know, and then there was the conversation of, well, this is my phone and no, it's not, this is, this is the house phone. And, Mm -hmm. and so, and it's a good way to kind of have those conversations and set those boundaries and it's work, you know, really realizing that those conversations are work. They are hard Mm -hmm. and kids are going to be frustrated and they're going to get sad Mm -hmm. and they'll get angry. And, and, you know, in a whole different conversation is just that, you know, as you're trying to support your kids emotionally in a healthy way, you know, paying attention to that. I think for our generation of parents, that's super hard because uh, other than you and your siblings, um, most of us were not horribly emotionally supported as we were kind of coming through, you know, Mm -hmm. middle school and high school. And so this is a different kind of parenting that we're Mm -hmm. doing, you Mm -hmm. know, and then this kind of connectedness and the topics that tend to come up, you know, through texting, through video conversations, through um, uh, just social media, you know, tend to really go into deep emotional territory. Mm -hmm. And for most of us, that was not an area that we were well supported. We didn't see that. We don't know how to parent those kinds of things. I think a lot of us are kind of growing emotionally with our kids Mm -hmm. as they come through appropriately. Um, but those can be, you know, often, these kind of battles are going to happen right as your children are emerging emotionally. And so you get these strong negative emotions around, I am very angry with you because you're limiting, you know, what I can do compared to my friends. I'm very frustrated because I feel like as a parent, you're not listening to me. I'm very mm-hmm. jealous and I'm covetous of my, my friends because of what, what they have. I feel like my life would be a lot better if you would simply let me have these consumer products that mm-hmm. are very expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as a parent getting okay with like, yeah, I am okay with you having those emotions, you know, Mm -hmm. and also the work of how do you help your kid label those emotions and Mm -hmm. talk about those emotions and manage them in a healthy way. And so often all of that normal work gets kind of hung on. Well, if, if just, if technology wasn't here, I wouldn't have to do this work and you're having right. to do it anyway. Um, Good point. And so I think, you know, really kind of keeping technology, the problem with what it is, uh, uh, separate from, you know, these boundaries that will create uh, conversations and challenges and parenting emotions, um, which is a whole separate podcast. kind of brings everything to a head. It does. It does. And it becomes technology can become the scapegoat. <clears throat> but it really just highlights and amplifies these issues that yeah. we're going to come out maybe more slowly in less directed not ways. Not as intensely, yeah. 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 And I think not as, um, the, it's not as focused as all my friends, you know, it's where it's so, it's such a unifying factor, a lot of the technology and a lot of the, you know, the latest app or how we're mm-hmm. using this app or the latest filter that's out mm-hmm. or who we're all following, you know, or who's getting the most followers, yeah. you know, that tends to kind of unify the anger and justification in this very binary, you know, yeah. middle schooler about, you know, why I'm so frustrated with how you're kind of treating me with this. And then I think the other part of it is, you know, most of us are sucked into it as well. You know, uh-huh. we have been, we have been brought along and, you know, uh, our, our, our parents are all 
you know, jacked up on Facebook. You know, I had to step away from Twitter here recently and, mm -hmm. and just, I can't handle that. That's not good for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I think, you know, um, looking at kind of the pragmatics of, of what we're doing, I think it's really helpful with elementary and middle school kids to kind of develop a fun way of poking at each other about your media use, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, you know, let your kids give you a hard time about, mm -hmm. you know, um, when you're on your phone at dinner too, mom. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, what are you doing? And, uh, we're, we're driving, you're driving dad, you know, mm -hmm. you need to turn your phone off. Yeah. Um, so I think letting your kids kind of permission to push back on your inappropriate use. Yeah. And then I think, you know, a lot of parenting as you come into that five, six, seven year old, uh, age group, I talk a lot about parenting out loud. So, hmm. you know, making sure that you are talking and saying what you're doing when you're doing it. Because your kids at five, six, seven really start watching you. You're going to be their experience of watching you is going to be their main learning tool that mm -hmm. they're going to use. And so when you're doing important family things that we're saying why we're doing it and what we're doing and why that's important. And with media, it gets very important as well. Like we are all going to sit down and watch this basketball game together because it's going to be a really good game. And I know you like basketball and I want to spend time with you. And so explaining your thinking what or your doing. rationale. Yeah. yeah and that's so good. what I'm doing right now is I'm texting your grandmother back because mm -hmm. she sent me a message about something that's really important. And so I just want to tell her real quick and then I'll put my phone down and we can go back to doing what we were doing here. So I, I really try to, especially in that early teens. And then when you're struggling with something that is frustrating your middle schooler, it's, I think it's a lot, it's very helpful just to tell them what you're doing when you're when you're on your phone, why you're, why you're doing it and that kind of thing. I need to answer this email real quick because it's a really important business thing. I'm so sorry it interrupted our time together, but if I, if I don't do it, I'm going to worry about it and I might forget it and then I would get frustrated. And so I'm going to do yeah, this Yeah, that's good. Um, and so that kind of, so you're parenting and you're teaching while you're doing this and, and that kind of back and forth conversation um, is really important. That's hard. And, you know, and typically, you know, when, when I perform poorly on social media is when I'm tired and, mm -hmm. you know, and at the end of the day. And so uh, when my kids give me a hard time about it, I often don't receive that well because I am tired. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, you know, I think letting yourself be human and and as your as your kids are mature enough, you know, sharing that with them is, mm -hmm. is, is really important. That's um, great. And then I think, you know, the other thing that is really helpful is, you know, kind of what our... Um, where do we step away? And mm -hmm. so the idea of kind of technology and media uh, sabbaths are, are extremely important, I think. Like a day of rest from media? Yes. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to turn it off, you know, and and having those holy places. Mm -hmm. So bedroom, the bed, um, you know, um, family time, dinner, meals, you know, mm -hmm. um, when we're doing things together, you know, as a family that. Um, and it was interesting. We, when, when our girls were having, um, friends over, we had a basket where we would make the kids all put their phones mm. and it was very interesting. You know, nothing would frustrate me more than 10 girls sitting on the couch, yeah. texting each other. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, well, I remember my youngest who's now 13, um, 
we got her, we, we gave our kids the phones six months earlier with each kid. <laughs> so Brogan, it was 13 and then Cully, it was 12 and a half and Bran, it was 12. But I can remember her going to a slumber party or a play date and saying, mom, I'm the only one without a phone. And they were all on their phones. Like, yeah. and you know, and I would just get so frustrated. And then I would being the people pleaser, not want to be the, the parent. Right. Now I have been known to go into their rooms at night and take the kids phones off their body or near their head. Mm. Cause I always tell my kids get that phone at least six feet away from you mm -hmm. when you're sleeping. And I've seen their friends, you know, I'll go in and see if they're asleep at like three in the morning and take their phones away. I'm like, these kids are sleeping with their phones, like right by their head yep. or right on their body or something. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's one of the, you know, we had a big conversation with one of our daughters because we didn't well let the phone go in the, bedroom yes and, and that was good. um and then she had some relationship conflict because her friends would think she they, was ignoring yeah they were ignoring yeah, she was blowing them off and and so it was one of those things where you need to tell them like i don't have my phone if they can't handle it they're probably not somebody that we need to be friends with and yeah. that's and that's a hard conversation i think the other nice thing about having those kind of holy spaces and holy days or even you know, holy weeks, like, do we not take the phone with us when we go on vacation? Um, mm -hmm. And is it, it really can show you when a child is starting to have a problem. And mm -hmm. so, you know, kind of the, my big warning signs are, um, so, so realizing that, you know, technology and, and then a lot of these programs are geared in a way that they trigger the reward response in the brain. So mm -hmm. that there's a, there's a physiologic response that is pleasing, you know, similar to what you like get a with, drug high. Yeah. Like smoking a cigarette or having sex, you know, yeah. it, 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 you get that, that, that boost. And so that will, will really suck kids in. And, and so one, it's important to detox them from time to time mm -hmm. from that. But, but if you're seeing that like a child gets sad, angry, you know, extremely irritable, that's more than just, I'm a little frustrated with you, but that you profoundly see them change for an extended period of time that you can't redirect back to normal engagement with life and family. That's a big warning sign when you, when you, and that's why I like having those kind of holy spaces and Sabbath time because you know, we would definitely see, we had two, there were two friends that with my middle daughter that when we would kind of have the phones in the basket, they could not handle it and they would come back and steal them and we would see them later on, you know, um, it's and a good it, litmus test yeah, for how addicted uh, you know, they are. Um, I think the, um, you know, when you have kids that are super interested in things and we introduce a new technology or a new app and they are losing interest in that thing that used to be so important. Mm. Um, so like my son loves to shoot baskets and when he's not going out shooting baskets, I know we need to pull back on the video games because he's just getting a little too sucked in. Um, and you can kind of watch that. I think, when you're seeing lying about behavior and, and I really encourage, you know, pretty heavy tracking. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, trust, but verify is one of our great, trust but verify yeah, one of our great rules for parenting all things. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, you know, the nice thing about most of the apps and technology now is they have, you know, tracking features where you can kind of follow how, what, what mm -hmm. the time use is. Um, and so be able to kind of, um, if you're seeing kids lie about that and, and you know, that that's, that's a big problem. One about lying and two about why are you lying and what is this, you know, what role is this playing in your life mm -hmm. that you can't feel like you can be honest with me about what we're doing and 
why that's a bad sign. Mm -hmm. If there's anything that you have to lie to someone you trust and you care about, that that's a good sign that there's a problem, whether it's, you know, technology or friends or, you know, drugs or alcohol. Um, And then I think if you see kids kind of seeking out media when they're having negative emotions. So when we get frustrated Mm -hmm. or sad or bored or angry, that the immediate response is to go to the phone, then we we're, we've got a problem. And so those are kind of my, she's like, when do I need to worry about my kid? Um, those, mm-hmm. those are the big red flags. And, and I think, you know, you, you tend to see those, it can be hard with the iPad and the young kids, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's when you'll see that. And then with, with social media, um, I, I am not a huge fan of texting. Um, you know, I think that's something where, you know, middle schoolers need a lot of coaching on texting. And, and so, you know, I think what was the, there was a stat in here. I see. Um, so when you look at texting the, um, some crazy thing, like 3000, three, let's see, it's. Oh yeah. 3,364 texts per month. Per month. Um, wow. And so, and I think, <clears throat> you know, realizing that I really push kids to, to FaceTime, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's, it's interesting. The, I've learned to be very careful, especially with my, um, middle and younger kid, cause they will sit there and, and they're doing something, mm-hmm. but they've got somebody FaceTiming and they're doing something mm-hmm. and it's just how they hang out now. Right. And so you always have to be careful about what joke or what comment can I make when yeah. I walk in a room, like who's on the phone. Um, my youngest and his, he has a cousin that they are FaceTiming you know, if they're awake, they're on FaceTime with each other. And so that's, you know, that's a really positive thing that has been had a tremendous impact on, on their relationship. But so I I really do try to, you know, let's talk to our friends and, Mm -hmm. and, and when is, you know, when you're, when you're communicating how you're feeling, when you're communicating around a problem, that's something you need to be talking face to face. If there's emotions involved, if you feel upset, texting is probably not the way Mm -hmm. that you need to do that. And I think it's hard because face-to-face communications are uh, take more energy. And so yeah. it's a lot easier just to text. I think realizing that, um, you know, group texts are a powerful tool that uh, most people use now to kind of keep connected with, with groups. Uh, my oldest daughter has a great group text of, you know, all of her friends from college. She has a great group text of her girlfriends where she's living now, you mm-hmm. know, and so that is a key way that they just keep up with what's going yeah, on. And that's a and, real advantage to right, technology. Right. Um, but I think that that takes a lot of coaching as mm-hmm. we go through. And I think, you know, even with adults now, I, I went to a professional education thing on, you know, managing your workplace better. And you know, one of the key problems was that adults send texts when they really need to pick up the phone yeah. or go have a face-to-face conversation oh, yeah. about a challenge. And just how texting really leads to a lot of miscommunications and mm-hmm. and struggles. Um, so I think you know that that's a lot of a lot of work. And again, that's a that's an ongoing train. Like that's a lot of training mm-hmm. and a lot of communication, a lot of talking, and a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know that that trial and go error. into that right for sure. Just to um, I guess remind the listeners and me um, the three or four ways. I don't know if there were three or four. I know you said to tell if your kid has an addiction or a problem, if they can't handle those detoxes or breaks, they're real agitated, really upset. Some level of being annoyed or frustrated is normal. 
Um, and then if they seek out media for comfort, um, and then was one of them, if they need more and more apps or more exciting apps or something. Uh, well, so, um, they can't modulate their, their man. We didn't really talk about that, but, but, you know, if they can't modulate their use and you're seeing kind of things escalate, um, Mm -hmm. And and then the lying piece, you know, they're lying. That's right. Lying about the engagements. Their um, conscience is kind of like, you know, this is not normal right. or it's very excessive. So I'm going to have to lie about it. Right. I'm embarrassed or they're going to, my parents are going to be mad at me about it. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, the, the, and it, you know, and you and I have talked a lot about just competency and parenting and, and mm-hmm. I think being real about what you can what you can really do and where you're at, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's one of those things where, um, you know, I've had weekends where I was exhausted mm-hmm. and, you know, I knew if I, we had periods with my youngest where, you know, if I wasn't engaged, he would disappear on Friday night and not pop back up mm-hmm. out of the video games until, you know, Sunday night. Yeah. And, and I've had weekends where I was just, so tired we'd like okay you, you know couldn't police that yeah. or didn't have the bandwidth yeah to... or just like okay i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a good enough parent this weekend i'm not gonna worry about it you know yeah. and i think being being realistic about those kind of moments and then um you know i think i one of my big philosophies is i try to let the kids live just beyond their their competency mm-hmm. so that they make mistakes mm-hmm. so that we have an opportunity to coach you know Mm -hmm. and then being comfortable with them kind of crossing over into some mippy material um because you know if it it, it's it's kind of like um you know so many things in life where you know i can get a really nice product Mm -hmm. you know i can i can get a a nice stove or nice refrigerator or a Mm -hmm. nice stereo for this amount of money but i can pay 20 times that and get the best, Mm -hmm. you know, I think as you, as you're working with your kids around technology and media, you know, there's a little bit of work that can get a lot of result Mm -hmm. and then being perfect takes 10 or 20 times the amount of parenting. Wow. Yeah, totally love that philosophy. Yeah. And so being, being okay with like, there's going to be times where I miss something and they go into, or there's going to be times where I give them permission to kind of wander into some questionable activity Mm -hmm. and but it gives me a chance to come back and talk about you know where their competencies are where Mm -hmm. did they make mistakes Mm -hmm. um you know and then how could you i I think giving your i really try to build you know especially as we start to get in that kind of 11 12 13 year old range that we're going to have judgment-free conversations as a parent Mm. you know and so this is a moment where i'm really going to let you talk about whatever you want to talk about it, when we're talking about kind of that borderline material uh-huh. that's a place where i'll let people i'll let kids kind of get into some borderline material because mm-hmm. i want to give them permission to talk about this subject and and you know and, and realizing most of that i am going to try to preview what that material is ahead of time mm-hmm. um and, and and that you know and, and again we could have a whole podcast on how do you talk to your middle schooler about, you know, difficult subjects. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that kind of piece of letting them say what they're going to say, you know, not overcorrecting their point of view on what's going on, um, using comments like, I totally see how you would think that. Mm-hmm. Or I used to think the same thing when I was your age. Or I really appreciate 
that you thought about it that much that that's where you're at right now. Yeah, as just emotional validation. Right, and right. As opposed to like, that's the stupidest take on that. You yes, know, it's possible, Or yes. that's completely wrong. You're going to hell if you believe that. Yeah. You know? um, and, and I think the, um, that, that those kind of conversations are super important. They're very hard, you know, because it's some vulnerability as a parent. Yeah. You have to really pay attention. You have to know your kid and know where their competencies lie, what, what their vulnerabilities are. I think you also have to give them freedom in that you do not want to take things out of those conversations and beat them up with it later on. You know, mm -hmm. you, if you, if you want to lose any uh, ability to be a safe place for your kid to talk, you know, take material from one of those conversations and use it later against them. You know, that's a, it's I a agree. dangerous yeah. place. But. I call the judgment uh, zone, the stamp of approval parent. That's yeah. my favorite visual. And I sit there with my clients, whether they're the parent or the teen and say, do you ever feel like your parent is like this judge sitting there with this stamp? And it's like everything you say, they've got an opinion and a judgment. I approve of that. I disapprove. Good, bad. Here's my opinion, you mm -hmm. know, and it's constant. Mm -hmm. And so I love that, you know, humanity, that that humility of just I hear what you're going through. I know mm -hmm. this happens all the time. It's hard. We've all been through this. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that's um, most of us were not parented that way, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and most of us were parented with rules mm -hmm. and your know, rules are great for a five year old. Mm -hmm. But once you get past that point, rules are not horribly helpful mm -hmm. because you can't make the perfect rule set for every yeah. situation. <clears throat> and then I think as you get into, you know, an actualized child that's 12, 13 years old who sees himself as an independent person and is starting to build their own identity and their own view of the world. Um, I think rules have three bad, three outcomes and they all stink. You know, yeah. either the kid buys into the rules and follows them perfectly and then they get to a point where the rules break down and then mm -hmm. they have this crisis of, mm -hmm. you know, how do I live my life now? You know, or they quickly realize, like, I don't like these rules. And so they completely rebel at a you know a young age. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, when they're binary and when they're going to go whole hard, like mm -hmm. mom and dad are ridiculous. Or, you know, the, the what you and I did, which was. We followed the rules when mom and dad were around and then we did what we wanted to do when they weren't. And right. so, so it teaches us to lie, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and so you, so you build this relationship of lying about all the important stuff, all the hard stuff, mm -hmm. all the challenging things in your mm -hmm. life, which then undercuts your ability as a parent to be there and be what you want to be in a budding, you know, adult is the, the safest, most competent support for your your child that they have. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really like that idea of, you know, kind of helping them be them mm -hmm. and then setting boundaries around areas where they're not competent yet. And so mm -hmm. if they can't handle it, so you see that like my 13 year old's getting really wrapped up in body issues mm -hmm. and all the filters on Instagram and TikTok are, are really driving her crazy because she's comparing herself to her friends and she's just getting into secondary sexual development. Mm -hmm. And so it's creating all this stress. And when we take a day off from social media and her phone, she's just really difficult to manage on those days. You know, clearly this is an area where she is not competent for this mm -hmm. yet. And so I need to set a boundary and we cannot handle these things. And 
And, and so, and I'm very open about yeah. that, that, you know, and this is where we're at and this is why we're doing it. And my goal is that you grow up and mature and mm-hmm. one day are competent enough that you can handle all, all this on your own because you're going to have to, you know, you know, one of my favorite philosophies that really seems to resonate. And I know you'll understand what I mean. Sometimes I have these like epiphanies. I love these philosophies and I'll share it with someone and, and they just look blank. And I'm like, did they not? get this, you know, Mm -hmm. but this is one that I feel like almost every time it seems to strike a chord and it's so simple. It's just to say to kids, your parents' job is to do what's healthy and best for them, for you and your parents' um, job for themselves as well, of course. And then your job as a a 12 year old, a 15 year old, whatever age is to really try to think about what's healthy and best for you. Mm -hmm. And of course, a lot of us don't do that. Mm -hmm. We can think of countless ways that we know what we should do. We know how we should eat. We know how much we should exercise. But um, I feel like that settles people somehow deeply in their brain to, to really think, okay. And it gives them a yardstick to measure how how great their parents are Mm. or how unhealthy, Mm -hmm. like, are my parents making decisions that are healthy and best for me Mm -hmm. or are they not, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, I like to base all these boundaries or rules or whatever, just behaviors on what is good for you. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to what we started with that. If if we're getting to teenage years Mm -hmm. and you know, the, that immaturity and that lack of competency, is showing itself into bad outcomes with media or technology Mm -hmm. and the parents don't know themselves are not paying attention to themselves, you know, are hyper-functioning, are anxious. They're dealing with negative emotions Mm -hmm. through technology and social Mm -hmm. media. You know, it tends to uncover big problems, Yeah, you know, and that can be overwhelming, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I think a lot of times people just shut down, you know, because I really do see that, you know, um, you know, we've talked about this before that I think in kind of the Southern kind of churchy culture, there's kind of two extremes that people go to out of it's easier, you know, one they either like, this is too much. And so I'm just going to pretend it's not there. Mm. And you kind of get that like laissez faire, bury your head in the yeah, sand, you know, as long as you don't, you know, get arrested or, you know, embarrass me or our family lawyer can't get us out of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pretend it's not happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you get that kind of Alcatraz Island parent, like you're not going to ever have any access to technology to 18 years old. One extreme to the other, you know? Yeah. And so to be in the middle of that and say like, no, 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 like I'm going to do this with you. We're going to walk through it. A lot of times I'm experiencing this app for the first time, like you are. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to be humble and transparent about, my challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's a lot of work and Ugh. and there's going to be days where I can't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to say like, we're not doing this today, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's, that's where I think it can be very helpful to have those kind of holy spots yeah. and times, you know, where we're not, we're not walking into it. Um, and then, you know, the, I think that emotional piece is a big part because I just see so many parents that cannot handle their kids having any social uh, negative emotions, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, my middle schooler gets so upset. It's like, well, that's okay. Like right. they're allowed to get upset. And yeah. Life is full of disappointments. And you know, 
Are we disappointed that we can't have dessert twice a day? Of course we are. Yeah. But is that healthy for us? No. Right. You know, I love French fries. Yeah. Yeah. Can't eat them all. With yeah. Them, you know? And I think I, I love uh, Phil Stutz's, you know, Don't know. you know, Stutz. With him. Mm-hmm. Oh, so uh, there's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> that's a bottle of wine conversation. Says, but I got wine. <laughs> so, yeah. So he, so Jonah Hill, uh-huh. the actor, Phil Stutz is his psychologist. Uh-huh. And uh, Jonah just made a movie about his counseling experience with him. It's on Netflix called Stutz. So really? I, I didn't get paid for that promotion, but, <laughs> um, but, but his three big things are that in life there's pain there's uncertainty and there's work. Mm. And so he kind of, he says the two big, you know, in his experiencing as a psychologist, his experience as a psychologist um, is that, you know, there's, 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 there's work that you have to do as a person around trauma. Like people mm-hmm. have horrific things that happen to them that mm-hmm. create problems that they need to work through. But he said, most people in our culture are struggling with the fact that they don't have the ability to make those three things go away, pain, uncertainty, and work. Wow. And so it's profound. Yeah. So, so we're, we're white enough or we're rich enough, or we've married the right person, or we've worked hard enough, or we love Jesus enough. We followed the rules well enough that we shouldn't be affected by pain, uncertainty, and work. And I think as a teenage young adult parent, that really comes into focus because I don't want my child to hurt. I want guarantees that their life is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I I don't want them to have to work as hard as I did. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is a big stressor for a lot of parents as their kids move into, you know, this time where technology and social media get so important. And it, and I think that it really amplifies a lot of those stressors. And so as you're working through it, it's like, I really try to give permission that those three things are always going to be there, mm, you know, that's so good. And so how do we, how do we manage that? And in light of like bringing it down to as pragmatic as you can say, okay, we've got, you know, TikTok. what does that mean? You mm-hmm. know, how are we going to integrate this, mm-hmm. you know, realizing that, you know, the women and men on here have used filters to make themselves look tan and thinner and they're using lighting mm-hmm. to make it look as good as it can. And, you know, they're spending a lot of money on clothes. Um, they're spending money on Botox. You know, mm-hmm. I'm amazed how many 20 year olds are getting Botox. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, um, and so you're exposing yourself to this idealized version of this. And let's talk about talk about what that means. And and I think, um, you know, as we get as we kind of move into the the high schoolers and the young adults is really talking about how does this affect your life? Is it good for you? Mm-hmm. Listen to your body when you're using these things, you know, mm-hmm. does this make you more tired? You know, the fact that you have to watch a show to be able to go to sleep at night. Yeah. Is that a healthy thing? Like, is that how you want to live the rest of your life? And are you ready? You know, the challenge as an adult, as a, a parent coaching an adult is you don't have any control and they're, they're an adult. You need to respect their decisions and, mm-hmm. and they have to live with the consequences yeah. and all that. But you know, they're coming to you about how anxious and tired they are, but then they're falling asleep to a Netflix every single night in their bed, you know, with their computer sitting right there. Um, you know, it's hard as you, as you kind of parent that. Yeah. And so. Are you familiar with that quote? I've looked for this numerous times and I probably just haven't looked long enough, but it was some 
famous woman. I feel like she was a president's wife or something, but she said, the best thing you can do for your kids is not shield them from disappointment, but teach them how to live with it mm-hmm. or something. Have you heard that? I, I haven't. I, yeah. I've got to find that. I love it. Um, and that pain, uncertainty and work comment you made reminds me, I've told my own kids and some of my clients, you know, if you think about it, probably we're supposed to spend at least 60 or maybe 70% of our day doing something that is work Mm. that we maybe don't enjoy doing. That's why I think it's so great when you find a job you do love. Mm -hmm. I think you love your job. I know Mm -hmm. I love my job. Mm -hmm. Um, So it doesn't feel like work, but I think that's one issue with technology is these kids are getting a real weird view of how much downtime you're supposed to have. Right. I mean, can you imagine when we were growing up and our parents were growing up thinking you could sit and watch eight hours of movies every day Mm -hmm. and play video games an extra two and talk on the phone for hours, you know, just that would not be normal to watch your kids for 11 hours doing those three things. Mm -hmm. But that's what they're doing. Right. And it's right there at their fingertips, Mm -hmm. you know, and we can't always tell, are they doing homework? Are they talking to a friend? And that combo of like, you know, I get to shut down, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm extremely well entertained. Overstimulated. You know? And, and then that, that part of, uh, emotionally, cognitively, I'm overstimulated and also physically, mm. you know, we haven't even talked about kind of the physical implications of, you know, visually, you know, is your brain set up for this high intensity visual stimulation mm-hmm. for these long periods of time, yeah, you know, and what that does to your mood regulation and to your ability to focus and your ability to turn your brain off and sleep well and have normal sleep takes cycles. the threshold up maybe into up. hypomania or yes. mania. Yep. And See, then, yeah. And then distracting from paying attention to how your body is responding to that. And then elevated cortisol levels mm-hmm. with that level of stimulation, stimulation, stim- stimulation, stimulation of, yeah, yeah trying and, to kill people or you're about to be killed. Yeah, in some- or, or the perfect relationship between the vampire and the werewolf is not happening, you know, uh-huh. and, and just the, how crazy intense these, you know, when you look at like emotionally and socially what's happening in this it's unnatural. You know, 30 minute episode. Yeah. And what you're going through in those settings and how like it's so intense that like. I just sat here for eight hours, you know, watching a whole season of a show because my body was so revved up that I wanted resolution. And these shows are designed to never, ever give you that resolution. Yeah. And, you know, a mental image that might help bring it to life is what do you call the simulation where you wear those goggles and you feel like you're on the edge of a mountain or virtual reality, virtual reality. You look at some of these funny videos, which my kids show me on TikTok, you know, some older woman screaming through the uh, door, glass door. Yeah. Yeah. Falling off a chair, screaming. But when you look at what would be happening in their nervous system, when they're playing those games, it's more obvious when you have have the 3d goggles on or the virtual reality, but that's probably what's happening in the brains of these kids that may be spending like six, seven, eight hours on a really intense game. Yeah. And that, you know, that's not natural. Would you ever do the virtual reality thing for six, seven hours? Yeah. Well, and you, and we know, I mean, I mean, obesity rates are higher because you know, one, you're, you're, you're hyper stimulated and mm-hmm. you're sedentary. And so your body is craving energy and so you're going to go for stuff that's processed carbohydrates and then it it those high cortisol levels change how your body uses that energy so it goes straight into fat and and so wow. um, and we see increased levels. glucose spikes which yeah. i'm learning about yeah and 
and then you know and then you uh, um you we see elevated heart rate you know levels and 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 i think you know and then across the board with that high level of technology use we see kind of greater alcohol and drug use we see uh you know higher levels of anxiety we see poor sleep we see uh, worse body image uh, scores on on men and women. Mm. Um, we see you know crazy approaches to nutrition because of stupid stuff that people you know are seeing on social media. And I think it's so interesting that you see that like teenagers and young adults, like where they're learning about nutrition, exercise, relationships, mm-hmm. politics, it's through these kind of these formats. And so you know, the other subject we haven't talked about yet is just what you know what is your literate uh, how literate uh-huh. are you in how you get your information the um funny story with my oldest is uh, probably the worst trouble i ever got in with another parent was um she was in ninth grade and they were talking about like how historians you know kind of write and evaluate where they're getting their information from and mm-hmm. first person you know uh sources and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff and I was telling her, you know, well, in medicine, we grade uh, literature. So, you know, we give an A to something that's like a randomized, you know, controlled trial uh, that, you know, you can, you, you blind everybody to what's happening and then you reveal kind of what oh, the outcomes are. Yeah. And then, you know, a re- retrospective study would be kind of grade B level stuff, you know, uh, uh, just looking at kind of what happens in a setting, you know, studying like how well are the kids performing at this school would be like sea level data, mm-hmm. you know, an expert telling you what they think about it. Their life would be like D level data. And then, uh, you know, somebody random person's opinion would be like an F. F level so data. how stringent the clinical trials are is kind of relates to how much you would trust the, right, how outcome, much you would trust the outcome in that data. Yeah. Uh, and so a couple, a couple days later, I had a, a, one of her friend's parents called me up and was furious that, you know, how could I teach my kids to be so mean? And uh, her daughter had come home and told her that Mary Grace told her that her opinion about this subject was great F data. And it had really <laughs> hurt her feelings. And this mom was really upset that Mary Grace had been so mean to her her daughter. And uh, so I had, to, I had to go back and help smooth that over a little bit. But that mom was really upset that uh, we all thought her. her she could have just opinion. said, "That's just your opinion. What's the science behind it?" It might have sounded better. Right. <laughs> that's great. That's F great data. F data. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> your daughter's mean. She's yeah. evaluating the statistical out. relevance of. Oh, that's funny. Um, well, so what else should we cover, or should we? Um, I feel like I had about ten different thoughts that I wanted to follow up on, but of course I've lost a lot of them, but, Oh, I know, I know one of them was about how kind of it's one of the big epiphanies that I'm getting from some of what you're saying is like that overstimulation and a lack of downtime. And it almost seems like this generation is getting into these extreme modes of either overstimulation or boredom, Mm -hmm. but there's hardly any rest time. In fact, um, Christy Titsworth, when she came on my podcast talked about active rest, which mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. liked. That was a concept I never really thought about. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like that middle ground is lost mm-hmm. and you probably wear yourself out with all the feel good, mm-hmm. even though they're unnatural highs of dopamine mm-hmm. and you wear yourself 
<clears throat> wear yourself out, overstimulated, and then you're understimulated and bored. And we need to be in the middle. Well, there's so many different kinds of rest. There's physical rest. There's emotional rest. There's mm -hmm. social rest. There's, uh, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many different aspects to that as you as you dig into it. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, kind of reiterating where we started is that, you know, learning to rest, learning to listen to your body, those natural rhythms that starts from the very beginning of parenting. And so if we're coming back to an anxious 21 year old and mm -hmm. talking about or a 30 year old or a 40 year old and talking about paying attention to your body, that's that's a heavy lift. You know, yeah, we're um, so out of touch yes. with ourselves. Yeah. And so and then, you know, and you've built so many habits, bad habits around, you know, technology, around media, around food, around, you know, other distractions, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, that that's where we see it really kind of play out. And so so I think, you know, as a pediatrician, uh, mm -hmm. I would love, you know, to start from the beginning and let's let's really build those good habits creating space for rest, creating space for time with family, mm -hmm. creating space for conversation, creating space for boredom and the creativity that mm. comes out of that, you know, um, creating space for uh, being able to sit and, and, and go to the bathroom when you need to, you know, um, and I think really giving yourself permission to, to do those things. I love that. I That'd be an amazing podcast. Create space for boredom. Boredom, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, and that's a profound concept. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, I I mean, I'm not being hyperbolic in that like I, I talk about that probably eight, ten times a day. Um, because to be able to do that is completely impossible for most young parents. Yeah. You know, because their lives are so overscheduled. You know, even something like I'm always amazed in when I talk about breastfeeding a newborn, mm -hmm. you know, I'll say like, hey, it's going to take five, six hours of your nighttime mm -hmm. that you're going to spend feeding. And parents are like, that can't happen. Like, I need to get this kid on a schedule. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, that physiologically that it's not going to happen. Like they're going to mm -hmm. eat when they want to eat. And so you need eight hours sleep. And so you need to think about your nighttime in terms of eight hours of your sleep plus the five to seven hours of feeding mm -hmm. your baby's going to be doing. And so that's 15 hours. And so you need to give yourself 15 hours in bed to get eight hours sleep. And that is a profound concept to most 20 and 30 year olds. Mm -hmm. And, and so, which really says something about how deep all of this goes in mm -hmm. regards to like not paying attention to ourselves and how we've let things, you know, consume all kinds of consumer products, but specifically, you know, technology and media kind of take that over. And then just our hyper-functioning, you yeah. know, of, of just how much we think we have to accomplish and mm -hmm. do every day. Over-programmed. Yes. Over-scheduled. Yeah. Right. You've probably heard of this book, but, um, and if you haven't read it, I'll have to go get it for you and let you borrow it. It's called Simplicity Parenting. Yeah, yeah. And I read book. part of it. I thought it was great. Um, one of my friends that opened my eyes to this years ago, because I can be guilty of over planning because mm -hmm. I don't want to miss out. And one or two of my friends would say, well, yesterday was a really active day. So we're going to have a down day. Mm -hmm. And they would turn down some fun opportunity mm -hmm. because they recognize our child needs to recharge yesterday was busy. We'll alternate at, you know, at the very least we'll alternate slow days mm -hmm. with fast paced days. Mm -hmm. And that book started out with a family that I think presented for counseling with maybe a 12, 13 year old, if I remember correctly, who was having all kinds of behavioral problems and attitude problems. And they took away his technology 
And of course he flipped out. But after a couple of days, it was like the old boy was back right. and he was so much happier. Mm -hmm. So would it be accurate to say that the brain needs quiet and, and unprogrammed time to develop optimally? Oh yeah. I mean, I think, you know, our brains are wired to, you know, that the rare event is that the grizzly bear comes into the cave. And so we have to be full on mm -hmm. to save our lives against the grizzly bear. Mm -hmm. And what we're able to do with technology is have that grizzly bear moment, like 11, 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And and so, and that's really where we're at um, and doing it from a very early, early stage. And, um, and I think, you know, the problem is most of us have been hyper-functioning for so long we don't notice it in mm -hmm. our, in our own bodies. Mm -hmm. um, I love that book. The other one I love that speaks to kind of the emotional part of all that is running on empty. Mm. Um, Petite is the author. Petite. I, I forget her first name. Um, running on empty. Yeah. Wow. And if you're a, if you're audio book, the audio book of that is excellent. Um, it's a good, it's a good one to kind of listen to. Yeah. If, if you're that sounds amazing. Person. But, um, you want me to get you another cup of tea? You can read some stuff while I make you some tea. Oh, that'd be awesome. Good. Yeah. It's it's kind of chilly and rainy today. I'm, Good. You, I'm sure you can fill time. Or I don't know if you need the restroom. Yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. Turn this thing on.
Yes, I did. Good, thank you. I think the only the only thing we really haven't talked about is um, uh, coaching, interacting with other people. Oh yeah, how this affects um, like your your social skills. Mm -hmm. And then just some of the positive parts about you know uh, finding people that are like you, um, how that can be a positive thing um that sounds great and then shared in shared interests in media like how shared interest in media like um uh basketball highlights or uh you know dog you know dog videos we send those back and forth or um yeah. you know travel or food recipes and how that can be a really connecting place around right. the topic you know like pinterest and some of those things mm -hmm. that you can meet kindred spirits or share resources or mm -hmm. articles or podcasts or anything right yeah 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 <clears throat> yeah that whole idea of kids not being able to help that social media and i don't know if you want to speak to anything about I know some parents have told me over the years their idea to just keep your phone at, I mean, keep all technology Thank at your you. dining room table. You're welcome. Is this okay for sitting in or are you? Oh, I'm good. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, like, let's just keep your, you can only use technology at the dining room table or the kitchen counter mm -hmm. so that you keep your kids from isolating in their rooms all the time. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, um, the the stat is it's 88% of kids, 12 to 17 year old, or all teenagers, 88% of teenagers use text messaging regularly. Mm -hmm. um, teenagers talk less on their phones than all other age groups except for senior citizens. Wow. <laughs> I think it's uh, hilarious. And then um, that two thirds of children report that they're, Parents have no rules about their interaction with with media or technology. Two thirds of parents, and then eighty five percent of kids, so five and up, have access to high speed internet, often mm -hmm. in their own own bedroom. Wow, um, that's a whole another interesting to topic. But I do think that deep down, kids do crave those boundaries. Uh huh. And you've probably heard that study they did where they note they compared how much space kids would use at a playground with no fence 
compared to how much space they used when there was a fence. Have you heard that? And they used so much more. So I do find it interesting that deep down, some of these kids probably wish that their parents would have a little more control. Mm. It can be kind of concerning or I don't know the right, the word I'm trying to think of, but just to think, you know, do, do adults really have any control over us? Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, you know, and that's a big topic. I mean, you know, and it's a, it's again, it's a competency piece of like how, where are the parents at? Because that's hard work. Uh, it takes a lot of empathy. It has, you, you've got to have some developmental understanding of where your children are at. You have to know your individual child. Mm-hmm. You have to have energy. You have to be well rested. And being you know? proactive. That's right. a, a real weak area for me in many, many ways. Yeah. And definitely with technology, like being ahead of yeah. the problem, talking about it before it's a, an emergency. Yes. Yeah. Laying rules and putting rules in place before. And I, I love your idea. You can change your mind. You can change the rules. You can stop mm-hmm. and reevaluate. That's great. It's important to, to change things if needed. But getting things in place from the get-go are so smart. And I know um, your uh, colleague, Dr. Shoemate, last year when I was calling to pick your brain about Mm -hmm. technology and hers, she was talking about how she thinks it's wise to never, or someone in your group thinks it's wise to never give your kid a phone for their birthday or Christmas, Mm -hmm. because then they feel like it's theirs and they're entitled to do whatever they want. It's their property. It's their property. Mm-hmm. And kind of like you said, this is the house phone. This is the family phone mm-hmm. that you are using. We own it. You're kind of renting it, using it, mm-hmm. and we can take it away at any point. And that was helpful. And we've made the mistake of giving our kids their phones almost always on a birthday or Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're expensive. So it's a nice, uh, yeah, it's a nice way to <laughs> scratch right. that, take care of the two birds. With That's them. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it really is that part of, uh, giving yourself credit for what you're doing, you know, realizing that uh, it is hard parenting mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of things that are important to us and things that we're doing that our parents didn't spend energy on or mm-hmm. do. They did, Some of this they didn't have to because there wasn't iPhones and right. apps and social media. Um, and so, you know, as you're doing that, I really try to give yourself credit for that work, you know, realizing that as we move into this stage, there's going to be more work that I'm doing. And so I need to clear out other things, you know, yeah. professionally, can I be this busy when I'm managing, you know, a teenager and two teenagers in not just technology and social media, but all the things that they're This is an added task with. that yes. is on an already long list That's of right. things you have to manage. Yeah. So making sure that you give yourself kind of being realistic about what, how much work you have. And, and even the part about, you know, if you are going to come in and do this, you're being a bit antisocial. You're you're being countercultural mm-hmm. to what's going on around that, and so that's going to create stress for you. That's going to create stress for your child, and and recognizing that that stress is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, your job is not to resolve that stress. Kind of back to our pain and uncertainty mm-hmm. at work is that you know that your if your child is really struggling with. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not as popular on social media as my friends are, or, mm-hmm. you know, why does anyone like my post or I don't have as many followers or, um, I, I'm not going to these places, you know, my friends, um, you know, the, the, my favorite with my middle daughter, she came to us in seventh grade 
and uh, told us for spring break she was going to go to Punta Cana with some of her friends. And and I said, well, how are you going to kind of pay for that? And she said, what do you mean? And <laughs> and, uh, and I said, well, we're not seventh graders don't go. To, there's nothing in our budget for seventh graders to go to Punta Cana for spring break. We're mm-hmm. not going to do that. But all of her friends on social media posted all the pictures of them going to Punta Cana. And that was that was a lot of pain for her. And mm-hmm. and it was a kind of a parenting crisis moment where it took a lot of work. Um, and realizing that legit, my job was not to make that pain go away. My job was mm-hmm. not to make that moment go away. That was an important learning moment that it's took a, a lot lesson. of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Reality yeah. is right. hard. Um, yeah. You know, uh, one of my clients is obsessed with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and said that I think the quote was, you can have it all, but not at once. Mm. And I don't know, even know I agree that you can have it all, but I going back to your comment earlier about processing things with your kids and letting them in on what you're doing and mm-hmm. why you're doing it, but just saying, you know, life is hard. We can't do everything we want to do. We have to prioritize, mm-hmm. you know, you have to choose. Do you want to be home for the summer? Or do you want to travel? Like, do you want to do both or, you know, mm-hmm. but you can't do everything you want to do. Right. And it's hard to deal with that disappointment, mm-hmm. but that is preparing them. That is healthy and best for them Correct. to get used to the way that life works. Yeah. And it builds your relationship. It's, uh-huh. you know, it kind of builds that trust as it plays out that, mm-hmm. yep, that was true. And mom and dad were right. And, you know, and then the fact that you're going to spend that time, it builds that they're important. You know, that yeah. I was willing to sit and have that conversation and be a part of that and not lose my temper and have patience. And and I think, you know, you were talking earlier about kind of, you know, kids and their they spend so much time being entertained. I mean, we are the same way as mm-hmm. adults. And so I see so many parents will come in and what the root issue is, is their their entertainment time is being interrupted by parenting mm. and they want to know how do I get rid of this parenting stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> that's, that's what that's you sign important. up for. Yeah. That part's important. And, and so, you know, a lot of, and a lot of the questions around social media are how do I make this work go away? And it's, well, no, this is all good work. You know? Right. And, how can I have kids and a family, which sounds great without it, affecting my lifestyle and my freedom. Yeah. You can't. Or what, you know, the question is like, so it all gets wrapped up. Like, what age should I give my kid a phone? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Well, that's a big conversation, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. We can say that like, yeah, you, most people feel like developmentally and maturity wise somewhere around 13 is when we should be kind of having that conversation. But every kid is so different. Like that's yeah. a big bandwidth. Yeah, you know, when you look exactly at, with like your kids, different personalities. Yeah, yeah. You know, some kids are really prone to addiction to video games, and others aren't at all. Right. And I think the, you know, the pragmatics of it. You when when we were kind of just getting into it with our oldest in fourth grade, one of her friends, the family was it was a split family, and that kid needed connectivity. Like mm-hmm. she needed a phone, and and mm-hmm. because. She was always cobbling. I mean, as a fourth grader, was cobbling together her rides everywhere, and mm-hmm. you know, her, her both her parents worked out of town, and mm-hmm. you know, and so, uh, so, she, and she managed it extremely well. Like that yeah. was a that was a nine year old who you know she needed the pragmatic use mm-hmm. of a phone, and she was able to to manage it. Yeah. I think too, you know, we want to talk about what you know some of the pros. I I do see you know in um, 
in my kids that are isolated, uh, in my kids that have unique challenges, um, you know, who have, um, you know, physical limitations mm -hmm. that, that hold them back that have, um, you know, some children who are high functioning, but have autism. And, mm -hmm. you know, I have seen where technology can be a very helpful way for them to find people that have the same challenges mm -hmm. and they can build a community that is supportive around what's going on. I think same thing with parents who are struggling in those kind of settings. And then I, I do think it's an important way that it can enhance just your connectivity with your children. And so, you know, kind of back to that piece of uh, engaging media with them, you know, so what kind of movies do they like? And, you know, uh, sitting through, I've sat through a, lot of you know star wars versions and and marvel just to be able to be in the same space with my son because he, mm -hmm. he loves all that stuff and mm -hmm. and so want to be able to talk about it and and then as an older adolescent it's been nice with him because we send you know basketball articles back and forth all the time and clips of games and you know scores and and so it really is a platform that he and i have been able to deepen our relationship you know, we were talking about Pinterest and, and, mm -hmm. and Instagram can be a platform for that. And, and, you know, uh, uh, text strings with, with groups, uh, group text strings. So those can be very helpful in kind of building community. Mm -hmm. And, and as you walk through that, again, it takes work because, you know, that's a great place to talk about respect for others. And, mm -hmm. you know, and what I've always told my kids is if they have strong feelings, texting is probably not the way to communicate those feelings. Right. And, and so if you are angry, if you're frustrated, if you're worried, um, if you're super happy, like, why don't you do a FaceTime or just call the person mm -hmm. or go over and visit them and, and, you yeah. know, and talk about it. Communication's uh, hard enough yes. with nonverbal communication right. present, but when you don't have those cues or clues of their tone and their facial expression right. and all that, it really makes it hard. And to be able to talk about projection, you uh -huh. know, that, um, let's think about some other reasons, you know, what they might be thinking behind this text that they've sent you. And that can be, you know, for me, those are very annoying conversations, especially with my adult children. Um, you can read the wrong things. Oh, in. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, but at the same time, they're, they're beautiful insights into kind of what are they struggling with and worrying about? Because that's what they're projecting on their friends. Right. You know, it's a messages. little glimpse into their unconscious mm -hmm. or <laughs> their insecurities. And then just to teach kindness and, mm -hmm. and, you know, empathy as you're, as you're going through. And then, you know, we talked about kind of paying attention to your body. So what's your body doing as you engage this or as you're participating in this or as you're typing this or listening to this. And then privacy is a big piece. And, and, we were talking a little bit with Remo before he left mm -hmm. about, you know, it is children just do not understand, have no concept. You know, why do you not want to give a under 13 year old access to media is because they do not understand what all that means. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, most women until they're in their 19, 20 year old range and guys till they're like 25, 26 mm -hmm. don't understand what, uh -huh. what that means that, you know, we, we, um, we had a, a recruit that we didn't hire because of some stuff that was on the, on the internet. Um, and so, you know, kind of that take of before you send this, you know, would you be happy of, of us going around the dinner table and us all hearing you say that or mm -hmm. seeing that picture, you mm -hmm. know, we've used my, 
you know, would Mimi uh, give her approval to that text mm -hmm. uh, that you're that you're sending out? And so just kind of teaching that moment that, um, you know, that that's a huge problem, you know, with Snapchat is, is that a lot of kids just don't get that these are you can take a screenshot of that and it's permanent. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, having those conversations, those are good lessons. But you do not want it. That's an area where you want to be very careful about setting up a child where they're not competent enough to manage privacy in a, in a platform that that is set up to take advantage of them in a way that is inappropriate. You know, it's like putting them on the football field without any of the protective equipment. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or you know, dropping them off at the mall when they're five years old. Like mm -hmm. they're just it's an environment they are not ready to, to handle yet. And so so we see that, you know, 20 percent of, of high school seniors have sent sexually explicit material via oh, social yeah. media. And oh, I've heard stories of trauma with mm -hmm. it gets circulated all over the school, mm -hmm. videos, pictures, and it's extremely traumatic. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, and it's a, and it's a real part of, of dating in the adult world. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, you know, talking through those kind of things again, before there's a, there's a problem is, is important. Oh yeah. Um, what I kind of tell parents is, you know, think about how you would have responded to this as a, as a, as growing up, you know, mm -hmm. and then subtract three years from what age you think that would have been a problem for you. Mm -hmm. And that's when you should be talking about it with your, with your kids. Yeah. You know? If you were like, when I was 14, this would have been a huge problem. Then that 10, 11 year old needs to be here in this conversation, you know, mm -hmm. as you, as you get into it. But, for sure. You know, one quick thing, um, that, will probably resonate with you is in your patience. My middle child um, said to me maybe six months ago, she said, mom, I feel like you're treating us like we're bad kids or something like that, mm. which is something I am very aware and passionate about not doing with myself and my clients. Mm -hmm. And so it was basically around technology and phones. And I don't really even remember what I said, but I think, you know, it could have been anything from, you know, y'all have been on your phones way too much or you haven't done any of the chores I asked you to do. And, you know, it's like y'all are addicted to technology or who knows, you know, right. and I know they're good kids, you know, and I've seen this with other, you know, parent child dynamics in my office where I'll think this kid is getting so discouraged going, I'm not doing drugs. I'm not having sex. I'm not drinking. I make good grades, mm -hmm. but you act like I'm just this huge disappointment because my room is messy mm -hmm. or I'm a huge disappointment because you don't like the way I dress or mm -hmm. you don't like my hair or, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, I'm never going to be good enough for you. And I know I'm a normal kid. I know I'm maybe better than average as far as the behaviors that I'm doing, but yeah. yet you seem so disappointed. So I guess it's just never going to be good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that is, um, um, we gave our kids, so one of the things we kind of worked on around 12 with the girls, my son at 17 is still not there yet, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, is mom and dad, how do you see me, mm. you know, and, and really kind of top the bottom of how I see you, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Mm -hmm. Um, because the things you're going to go to there are going to be the things that endear you, the things where your child is successful, the things that they're coming naturally to them. You know, when you have the, when the child asks you, how do you see me? And, and your child needs to know how you see them. Mm. I think the hard part is most of us have a fantasy version of our child 
Mm-hmm. And, and it's important to, I don't know if kills the right word, but get burn that out, get rid of that fantasy version of your child yeah. and really live with the real child that you have. Yeah. Uh, strengths and weaknesses up front, you know, as, yes. you're, as you're coaching. Um, and so the other part of that, I think, is emotionally, I call it the, the, the parental emotion tax. So, hmm. you know, we all have places we're hurting as an adult. And so as our kids get older, they're going to more frequently bump into those areas. And so often, um, you know, what's going on with a child that, that is neutral, it's just them being them, will elicit an emotional response from us as a parent that's completely legit. Like those are real feelings. Mm-hmm. So your kids are being normal American middle school and high yeah. schoolers. And for you, that elicits worry about, you know, uh, they're, they're not, they're not being creative enough or I'm they're, they're, they're I'm allowing them to be lazy or mm-hmm. um, where is this all going? I don't feel like I have any control, you know, mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm, I missed out on so many things in my life that I don't want them to miss out. And that's all your emotional baggage. Mm-hmm. But when they be them, when, when they be themselves, when they are themselves, <laughs> um, they elicit that emotional response in your brain. And often, you know, what happens is that we will then give those to them. You know, that emotional response gets mm-hmm. given to them. I call that the parent emotional tax. Oh, and, yeah. And so, and and it's important as a real person, those are legit feelings. Like So parents projecting their baggage. Are just giving it to them. Giving, putting it on them, projecting yeah. it totally. I'm giving like, you my emotional feelings, oh, you know. Ah. So I'm feeling these things. And, you know, and often we're not aware that that's what we're doing, that we, we, mm-hmm. we're having these feelings. And so, you know, really being aware of, of, when you interact with your children, you know, what, what are the feelings that you're having? What's going on there? Um, you know, the, um, paying attention to those things, realizing those are real, that's Mm -hmm. a real part of you and you Mm -hmm. need to deal with them, you know? So whether I come see you as my counselor Mm -hmm. and we talk about it, or Mm -hmm. I give it to Joanne as my spouse Mm -hmm. and we work on it, Mm -hmm. or I call my parents and talk to them about it or Mm -hmm. my brother, do you have trusted people that you can share mm-hmm. your adult feelings with that are safe and it's healthy and you respect what how they're going to reflect those back mm-hmm. to you and help help you manage them? But it's not your kids work. Right. You know, and so often what will happen is they're just being themselves. We have adult feelings. We're not paying attention. We give those feelings to them and and they they pay a price for that. Yeah, because what we are asking them to do is. Help me as an adult with these feelings I'm having. They don't have the power to do that. That's a major force in what drives middle school and high school anxiety mm. is, is parents are giving that to the kids. You know, I my mom and I talk about it now that, you know, um, because she did that and was really good at doing that, mm-hmm. we decided very early that it was too expensive to take our emotional stuff to her. Mm-hmm. And so she missed out on all of that. You know, so Mm -hmm. as a parent that wants to be present, that wants to have engagement with your kids in a positive way, that emotional parent tax is is one of the main things that undermine that. And so, you know, kind of watching, you know, around technology, Mm -hmm. around work ethic, around school performance, around sexuality, those are going to be the hot topic issues that really elicit big emotional responses in parents. Mm -hmm. And why does it, you know, and so often, you know, just my 13 year old being 13 is going to elicit some pretty heavy emotional things, mm-hmm. often things that may be because of trauma. Mm-hmm. 
maybe because of stuff that I've never dealt with. It may be with stuff that my family never let me grow into, you know, because mm-hmm. of just the way we were structured as a family. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the positive of that is that I see it. I know what it is. I go do constructive work on it and I become a better person as a, as just a human being because of my kids are growing up and I found these new things that I wasn't aware of. And then I'm a better parent because, because now I'm able to be more available. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what they're struggling with doesn't become something that's a struggle for me. I can actually be a resource, you know, where I, this is your crap. I don't, I, I see it as your crap. It's not mm-hmm. my crap. I've mm-hmm. already been there. You know, yeah. um, you know, I just uh, earlier in the week, my daughter had struggled with a final in college. And, you know, that that is something that gives me a great deal of stress and in, in that, you know, she didn't do well in this final. Her grades not great in the class. You know, I'm spending all this money on college and I get really worked up. And that is all my stuff. She's a really good student who has a tremendous work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, she has a job. She's paying the bills. You know, she's always been a good student. This was just this class didn't work for her. That's all it was, you know. But I have a great recent example. Actually, I have a client who's about 18 and a senior in high school and taking just the hardest classes she could possibly take at her school and has really severe anxiety and some people in her life were saying, you you need to look at your medication or you need more therapy. I mean, you're getting worse, not better. And I was asking her, you know, again, with that paradigm of what's healthy and best, why are you taking such hard classes all the time? Like, what it, do you think this is healthy? And trying to get to the bottom of <clears throat> pushing herself. And, and is it just so you can get into the best college? And it finally came out that she said, both my parents underachieved in school, maybe one or both of them didn't even graduate from college and they never achieved or, or, you know, they didn't feel like they became what they could have become Mm. and achieve a level of success. So I am trying to sort of write all of that and compensate for all that by being the most like, and I talk about a human doing versus a human being. And she literally is aware that she's owning all their pain. And I don't know how much of that, came from them or she took on, took it on or both. Right, right. But it was, it's really sad because it's clearly not healthy, but she's trying to, you know, live vicariously for them. And, you know, it's just painful that your life becomes not your own. Yeah. It's like that emotional How sweet baggage. That she's that perceptive and, and empathic toward her parents. Yeah. And also is insightful. I mean, yes. I didn't figure that stuff out till I was like 42 maybe, but yeah. uh, you know, so so she's way ahead on the curve. I mean, yeah, that's encouraging she is. that she's, you know, she, she is insightful. It, you know, mm-hmm. she's going to be a great uh, pediatrician one day. <laughs> <laughs> Push her in that direction. <laughs> well, is there anything else you feel like you didn't get to say or that you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, I think we covered, we covered everything. Well, this is such a need for so many people. And I am so thankful you're willing to share your time and your expertise because truly this is a source of huge pain for so and stress for so many people. But I do think we need to not be black and white about it because the positives of the social media are there as well. And I've seen some of that with my kids, especially my son, just getting to chat on FaceTime with a group every night. 
Mm-hmm. It's one of the best social exposures he's had is right. just getting a chat with a few friends and I hear him in there and it makes me so happy. Well, and I, I think, you know, encouraging parents that it only gets worse, mm. you know, <laughs> like there's no, the goal is not to resolve this stressor and mm-hmm. the better job you do in teaching emotional health, management of technology, insight into yourself and how all of this affects you the more different your kid is going to be as a high school and and college and a young adult. And that can be stressful in that Mm -hmm. I'm not just the lemming going along with everybody else. And so that difference, if you're doing it right, Mm -hmm. is going to create work for you as a parent because Mm -hmm. your child is going to be like, you know, why did none of the boys you know, DM me on my Instagram, like they DM my friends who are posting bikini pictures, Yeah, you know? Um, and, and you can say, well, it's because they don't, or they know you and they're, they don't have hope of a certain reaction that they're hoping that they're getting with these other people. And those are hard conversations. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of stress. Um, it's, it's really hard, you know, as, with 20 and 22 year old girls, that is what we are sitting in all the time. But right that's now. preparing them for life. Right. Yeah. But it's hard. I mean, yeah, it is not, um, you know, it, it is, it is, uh, it's very difficult. And I think so many parents will, will have the rubric of like smooth water is what we're going for. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's, you know, what you're going for is a better boat to survive the storm. Mm. And, and so you know, I think, and, and, and so not beating yourself up and, and having so much negative thought as a parent, because we're working on this stuff that I look around and I don't see anybody else working on this, or my daughter is, is experiencing negative social reinforcement around, you know, I think she's got really good boundaries and I think how she's approaching this is healthy. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and so, um, so that can be, that can be really hard. And I think, um, you know, when, when you come into, come into those, when relationships end or, you know, we don't have access to certain relationships because of, you know, how mom and dad, you've encouraged me to do this. It's, those are tough. And so I think the more you can encourage the fact of like, you know, the goal is not to make it easier. The goal is to equip make, yourself, yeah, equip and make survivability higher mm. and, and build a better team, you know, that my job is not to make you so that you can be completely independent. That's, mm-hmm. that's not a healthy person that's out there all by themselves. You mm-hmm. know, a healthy person has friends and family that are right there ready to support them when they have challenges. And that's really what we're, what we're going for, where the seduction with consumerism and technology is that you don't need anybody else. You can be in your room with your video games and your social media, and you can have all the connectivity and stimulus that you need so it really is antithetical to, to, to healthy social engagement and culture building, even mm-hmm. though that's a big selling point for, mm-hmm, for all of it. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the more people are taking that expectation off their plate, that this is what we're doing and that I'm going to be doing it forever. You know, it kind of comes back to that moment. I mean, you and I deal with people a lot when they're in crisis. Mm-hmm. And so they're coming to us with like, I need help getting out of crisis mm-hmm. and and a lot of it is like, you know, what we end up doing is saying, hey, there's always crisis. Right. You know, so what's missing right now that you need 
and let's get that. You know, the goal is not to get out of the crisis. The goal is that there's some things that you need right now that are missing. Yeah. And so how do we go get those things that we that we need? Yeah. You know? Don't expect that life is not going to be hard. Life is hard. Correct. I love your smooth water. Don't expect smooth water. Just build a stronger boat. That's great. Well, this was so good. And I'll try to share some of these resources that you brought, um, articles and things like that on the link. Well, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. I use the, so the AAP has a, a site just for parents called Healthy Children. The American Children. Association of Pediatrics? Uh, American Academy of Pediatrics. Academy, okay. And, um, and so if you... Um, if you Google that healthy children, it's healthychildren.com. Okay. Um, and it may be org. Okay. Type that wrong, but, um, they have a family media plan, which is a, Ooh. a very interactive educational piece where you walk through, you put every family member in there and their age, it kind of highlights what the biggest challenges are. What are some things you want to work on? So you can work on as little or as much as you want to. It's a really good, it's all evidence-based. Yeah, it's a, it's a great tool. And I even encourage like young families that have little kids to go in and kind of do the plan for themselves just so they start to kind of see where the challenges are. Um, but that's a great piece. There's a lot of other good mm -hmm. stuff on that Healthy Children's site um, that's specific. And then the other thing that comes up is like, how do I get information about shows or movies mm -hmm. or apps? Mm -hmm. And so that's where I, I really like to use that common sense media site. Mm. Um, they give you kind of a, a rating, mm -hmm. like what are the positive things with this? Mm -hmm. What are the things you need to be watching out for? Mm -hmm. And that way you can kind of make your own decisions. Um, and then I think don't be afraid to pace your children, you know. They do not need to do everything and watch everything and have every app that they want at that yeah, minute. Yeah, you can delay them. You, yeah, and I, I make I encourage people to have a list. You know, mm -hmm. um, I do not give my kids. My seventeen year old still is our big argument is that he's not allowed to download apps without my permission. He gets really really frustrated with mm -hmm. me. Um, but that's where we're at with his competencies right now. And yeah. so, um, so you know, I think don't be afraid to pace the situation. Not that's perfect for your kid, mm -hmm. not, not that's perfect for your family, but what you need as a person mm -hmm. and what you can do to be actively engaged, that, that pace is important. Um, and it doesn't matter if your kid's not happy with that, with that mm -hmm. pacing. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, I started laughing cause now I've lost my pen. I was going to write down. So, so far <laughs> you've lost your pen. I've lost my glasses and now I've lost my pen. So we just came full circle. That's <laughs> Oh, yeah. I thought it was something. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Alan. This yes. is so it's informative. Fun to talk to you. It's really yeah. fun. Thank you. Yeah.